to the podcast for North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a PCUSA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children like me and youth and adults at ndpc.org. You can also follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come join us in person. Okay, that's it. On to this week's scripture and sermon. Once upon a time, was back in the days when judges led Israel, there was a famine in the land. A man from Bethlehem in Judah left home to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. His sons were named Malon and Kilion all Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They all went to the country of Moab and settled there. Elimelech died, and Naomi was left, she and her two sons. The sons took Moabite wives. The name of the first was Orpah, the second Ruth. They lived there in Moab for the next 10 years, but then the two brothers, Malon and Kilian, died. Now the woman was left without either her young men or her husband. One day she got herself together, she and her two daughters-in-law, to leave the country of Moab and set out for home. She had heard that God had been pleased to visit his people and give them food. And so she started out from the place she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law with her, on the road back to the land of Judah. After a short while on the road, Naomi told her two daughters-in-law, Go back, go home and live with your mothers, and may God treat you as graciously as you have treated your deceased husbands and me. May God give each of you a new home and a new husband. She kissed them, and they cried openly. And they said, No, we are going on with you to your people. But Naomi was firm. Go back, my dear daughters. Why would you come with me? No, dear daughters, this is a bitter pill for me to swallow, more bitter for me than for you. God has dealt me a hard blow. Again they cried openly. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth embraced her and held on. Naomi said, Look, your sister-in-law is going back home to live with her own people and gods. Go with her. But Ruth said, Don't force me to leave you. Don't make me go home. Where you go, I go. And where you live, I will live. Your people are my people. Your God is my God. Where you die, I will die. That's where I will be buried, so help me, God. Not even death itself is going to come between us. When Naomi saw that Ruth had her heart set on going with her, she gave in. And so the two of them traveled together to Bethlehem. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Every time I pick up Ruth, 
I'm shocked at how current it is. Ruth is a story about people who flee the place that they love. Because if they don't get away from that place, they will starve and they will die. The place names in the story that we read are Bethlehem and Moab. Deal with loss after loss after loss. First, the patriarch Elimelech dies. And then Malon and Kilion, the two male children, die. Naomi is the matriarch, and she is left alone living in Moab. Unmarried women have no status in this story. They are vulnerable in all of the ways they will be vulnerable. What's worse... Naomi is in Moab, and the story never says this, but if you read some more of the scripture and read other mentions of the Moab, the Moabites, you will find that the Moabites and the Jews are not friends. So there Naomi is, stranded in this place where she is alone and afraid, and Imagine yourself being in the same place. What would you do? She decides to return home to Judah. Maybe there in Judah she can lean on the social safety net that talks about protecting widows. So Naomi begins her journey. She starts out carrying all that she owns in a bundle on her back, carrying her grief bundled up in her heart. Or maybe these things are also carried by the two young women who walk a few paces behind her. Soon, Naomi stops on the road, and she turns around, and she speaks to the girls who are walking with her, and she says, go home. Go home and live with your mothers. And may God treat you as graciously as you treated your deceased husbands and me. May God give you each a new home and a new husband. And Naomi kissed them, and they cried. Naomi understands that she cannot lead these Moabite girls to her home, where she cannot guarantee their physical safety. So she begs them to go home, and they weep. They weep. And that crying is a sign for us that something weird and something very powerful is going on in this story. These women should not have an emotional connection with each other. I'm not making a joke about our relationships with our in-laws. They shouldn't love each other. The story implies, and this is also buried in the translation of the Hebrew text, the story implies that these girls may have originally been forcefully taken as wives. They need not have any emotional connection to the mother of their abductors. And yet, we are told that the idea of not being with Naomi brings the girls to tears. 
Naomi blesses them. She says, may God treat you with the same loving kindness that you treated my sons and me. That idea, loving kindness. That is not the last time you will hear that phrase used in the book of Ruth. It is the bedrock of the story. It is the subterranean ground of the entire story. Loving kindness is what joins these women's lives to each other. Naomi wants the best for them. She loves them, even if that means she will lose. Say to Naomi, no, we are going on with you to your people. And Naomi is just as firm in her response, go back, my dear daughters. You shouldn't wait to try and get married again. This is bitter for me to swallow, she says. God has dealt me a harsh blow. Naomi is incredible. She's an incredible character. She's not unlike Job, whom we heard about last week. She's also been dealt this incredibly raw deal in her life. She never shies away from shaking her fist at God. God ruined me, she says. It's about the most honest display of theodicy in Scripture. But in the very next moment, she is demanding of God that God act kindly toward these young women. Treat them, God. Treat them better than you treated me. Orpah will kiss her mother-in-law and cry some more and walk on the road home. But Ruth the story says, clings to Naomi. This is the closest physical position that a woman takes to another woman in the scriptures. Ruth clings to Naomi and she says to Naomi, don't force me to leave you. Don't make me go home. Where you go, I go, and where you live, I will live. Your people are my people. Your God is my God. Where you die, I'll die. That's where I'll be buried too, so help me, God. Not even death will come between us. It is a breathtaking vow. Many of us have heard in it something like a marriage vow. It is utter devotion shared by one human being with another. Ruth's vow to Naomi affirms something that is so basic and so elemental to our lives, which is we need each other. She is evoking Genesis 2 when God says it is not good for human beings to be alone. 
These two women have grown up in radically different worlds. They have prayed to different gods. They have had different cultures and and heart languages. They belong to different generations. Life has thrown them together through hardships that none of them had chosen. And over the years of sharing life together, their differences faded into the background through a thousand, hundreds of thousands, perhaps, small acts of cooperation and kindness as they shared the work of making a daily home. Through the slow growth of trust and then caring, and then by sharing their grief together, these women were changed from strangers into beloveds. So much so that their happiness, their survival, their very existence is bound up with each other and they cannot bear to be apart. So a few minutes ago, I mentioned how hard it is to make plans in the church right now because there feels like there's so much uncertainty in the air. But the problems in the church sometimes feel like small potatoes next to some of the other uncertainties that we all must face. Democracy itself is struggling for its survival. Civil society is struggling for its survival. The earth is struggling for its survival. The problems that are ours to hold feel so big, it's hard for us to know exactly what it is we're supposed to do. It's hard to know what our next steps are supposed to be. I think it's easy for us all to feel overwhelmed, to be paralyzed, It would also be easy for us to pretend like these problems are not ours to hold, just to put our heads down and ignore it all. This is a hard time, not just a hard time to be the church, it's a hard time to be alive. And still when I read this story, I see that it's no harder for us than it was for Naomi and Ruth. In the face of all of their challenges, in the face of all the grief and the pain and the struggle that they were holding, they came up with a plan. Their plan was vulnerability. That was it. Their plan was to say to each other, I need you. Their plan was where you go, I will go, and where you live, I will live. Your people will be mine, your God, my God. Their plan was each other. Now, some of you may go and read the rest of Ruth today, and I do commend it to you. I don't want to give away everything that happens. But I can say that their plan 
works. You'll see as you read that Ruth and Naomi make a lot of other plans and, and some schemes as they try to figure out how to make a way out of no way. But all of their plans circle back to that moment on the road when Ruth decided that she would not leave Naomi's side. So what I want to offer this morning is that maybe in this present moment when making plans seems foolish and to look around at the people beside you and in front of you and behind you, the people that God has placed you with, and say to each other, I need you. Jill Jakes is our elder who's our stewardship chair, and she's going to come up here in a few minutes, and she's going to stand here, and she's going to give worship talk. And she's going to introduce our campaign, and she's going to share some of the plans that our elders have made for this church, and she will invite your prayers and your commitments. Now, you should know after 11 years of being your co-pastors that Beth and I would never come to stewardship without plans of our own. Maybe you'd call them schemes or dreams. I've got big ones, crazy ones, and fun ones. I imagine that soon we will have a place where you can get free food on the corner for anyone who needs it 24 hours a day just outside this door. I imagine that we'll have a zero carbon footprint in 10 years. I imagine that we'll have an annual festival on the lawn of the church where we'll bring together the best vegetarian cooking in the state of Georgia and we'll call it the Veg Out. And I imagine uh, that we will research the history of land ownership with the DeKalb History Center of this particular piece of property and we will find out specifically how this land was tied up in the system of human exploitation called slavery and we will ask whether and to whom we owe reparations. I have a dream that we will create a music program together uh, that, that will be so filled with awesomeness that people will drive long distances just to hear the music that happens in this place, just like we used to drive long distances when this was the only church in the area where it was safe to be queer and Christian. I have dreams and schemes about what this part of the body of Christ might yet become. But they are all secondary. They're all derivative. They won't happen. In fact, none of them will matter unless we have the vulnerability and the courage to look at each other and say, I need you. I know that ain't easy. There's all this stuff that circles in the world around us, in our culture and in our upbringing that pushes us into lives of autonomy and self-sufficiency. I am terrified, actually, to admit that I need you all. Relationships are scary. 
Relationships implicate us. Relationships involve us. But you know what else relationships do? They save us. The story of Ruth is a salvation story. It's a story in which two human beings admit that they need each other to survive and they pledge to let loving kindness do the work. So where do we go from here? It is impossible to know exactly but it is possible for us to choose how we go from here. Will we go with courage? Will we go with love? Will we go together? Where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Your people will be mine and your God, my God. Let the church say, amen.